When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hibernation. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Thursday, November 9th, 2023. Hibernation. Going on right now in Arizona are the general manager meetings for Major League Baseball where teams lay the groundwork for signings and trades. The meetings were supposed to last through today, but they've been cut short in a way that I've never seen in my whole career. 10% of the attendees at the GM meetings got sick with what they thought was food poisoning. And then they realized somebody didn't eat the food that everybody else ate. That person got sick and they decided it was some sort of norovirus and they sent everybody home. Therefore, acknowledging the reality that we spoke about, that the GM meetings are sort of passe in terms of their utility, I wonder whether the union would agree with getting rid of GM meetings, then Matt Chapman would have nowhere to go, though they were in his hometown. Agents would have an extra week where they could stay at home, stay with their family, stay in their office. But what would Scott Boris do? Every single GM meeting and winter meeting, you wait for Boris to talk. And boy, did he deliver. It's very funny when agents, there is competition amongst agents and Scott Boris is the least popular agent because he's the most, he poaches all the time and he promises players, over promises, under delivers to everybody other than the tip of the top of the tip. And he walks into the lobby because he asked Major League Baseball every year. I don't know whether he stopped since 2017, but prior to 2017, he always wanted official time and space. And so he would ask Major League Baseball, hey, can I use the main stage? And baseball would always say, hey, no chance, toilet pants. So what he does is he sets up shop in the lobby, in the lobby of the hotel where the meetings are, and he lets the media know that at this particular time of this particular day, he will be speaking. And it used to be that he would have a scrum. And then he said, wait a minute, I can do better marketing. So now he had a logo that's the B and he wears his clothes. I get it. I wear nothing personal stuff. You wear nothing personal stuff. I'm in. But then he said, let's do one better. Let's get into the GM meetings and let's bring my own backdrop. So Scott Boris meets the media. He sets up a backdrop that has his logo on it and he starts talking to the media. And his purpose is one thing only. I'll give him one and a quarter. A quarter of the purpose is to try to get more money for his players. But the main purpose is to get attention for himself as a way of somehow marketing his services to potential high schoolers, grade schoolers, college players, and pro players. 
though he has his existing players do a lot of that as well, trying to poach their teammates. But anyway, so Scott Boris gets in front of the B backdrop and he starts talking about his players and he does it in a way where every single GM and president does nothing except roll their eyes. We don't even listen to him anymore. He's talking into the wind. There is zero correlation between the words he says and the actions we take as front offices. It may even sometimes be an indirect correlation to the amount of words spoken, to the amount of money we wanna give his clients. And I'm a victim in that I was a part of an organization that gave his clients too much money because he's got a way of working with owners. And he says that to you, I'm not doing a deal with you. He meets with David Stearns. He doesn't do deals with David Stearns. You think that Scott Boris is gonna negotiate a Pete Alonzo extension with David Stearns? He doesn't operate with presidents of baseball ops. He barely wants to talk to presidents of teams because you can't manipulate them. We're way too smart. Owners on the other hand are way too emotional. So Boris smartly says only owners. And then he says these words about the players, what he said about Pete Alonzo, when it comes to the polar bear, we're not in contract hibernation. I almost fell off my chair. Dear Scott, I assume you're an educated fella. Polar bears don't hibernate. It's grizzly bears. But don't worry about mixing metaphors because there's no reason to. I guess it's true that when you met with David Stearns and you said, hey, we'd love to talk extension, but you're famous for not signing your players to extensions before their free agency. Unless one thing exists, the ultimate and indisputable overpay. That's the exception you'll make. Do you think that you're gonna get Steve Cohn to overrule David Stearns and overpay Pete Alonzo in an extension scenario? NGTH, not going to happen. But it's a good try. I like the idea that you think polar bears are hibernating. I like the idea that Pete's willing to sign an extension, duh. What else? Ah, Juan Soto, another one of your players. Here's another thing that doesn't happen when you meet with Scott Boris or any agent. You don't bring them in your room and show them your whiteboard that has your projected lineup on it or your projected rotation. You don't pull your payroll out of your briefcase and say, look, Scotty, all I have is 18 million for your guy, not 20. It's right here. But according to Boris, he met with the Padres and the Padres laid out their plan for next year. And I'm quoting, which definitely is a lineup that includes Juan Soto. They're looking for more left-handed bats rather than less. Now, going back to your education, you meant to say fewer, but let's not quibble over grammar. You think that AJ Preller sat you down and said, oh yeah, oh, he's in our plan. Here's our lineup. We've got him right in there. What do you think a team executive says when meeting with an agent about an existing player, arbitration eligible, already under contract? Remember, when you are arbitration eligible, you are under contract. 
So don't believe the teams when they do a press release saying, we signed this young player to a four-year deal. Well, it's his first year in the big leagues. He's already signed to a six-year deal. You just don't know the amount you're going to pay him for those six years. The better, more clear announcement would be, we have now firmed up what we're going to pay the player we already had. The Padres have Juan Soto. He has one more year of arbitration where his arbitration number could easily start with a three. He may match Otani's arbitration number. I don't think he should, but he could. What was he last year, Coca? Was he 22? I'm thinking 22, 23 off the top of my head. And on a Thursday, my top of my head is somewhere around my ankles. But let's just assume it's around that. He'll get a raise. 22 to 28 is basically almost a 30% raise. It's percentages. He was 23. Thank you. Thank you, Coca. So 4-6 is a 20% raise. 6-9 is a 30% raise. So 29-9, getting right under Otani would be a 30% raise. What you argue in the room, you often argue percentage raises. But anyway, we can plenty of time to talk about arbitration. But the point is that the Padres did not, contrary to what Boris said, go through their lineup. And if you are a Padres fan thinking, oi, thank God, Soto's not going to be traded because that's what Boris said, not the case. What else? He's got Cody Bellinger, rumored to be going back to the Cubs, rumored to be a favorite amongst the Yankees. Never know where he's going to go. The good news is that Chicago got the comforts of a full belly. We'll have to loosen their belts to keep them. Get it? Belly, Bellinger, belt, fat. Loosen your belt after Thanksgiving meal, which means loosening your purse strings and over pain. That's a good one. He also has Blake Snell, another free agent pitcher. In the pitching Autobahn, it's pretty much mock Snell. That one made me laugh, actually. Mock Snell. You know what's not mock about Snell? The seventh inning. He's not mock. He is David Copperfield. He disappears. It's the anti-mock. I guess he's convincing teams that he's your solution if you like five and dive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking away from the stellar season he had and the Cy Young Award win that he is going to secure. His ERA smashing last season, especially his last 20 or 25 starts. But starting pitching, bulk innings, it matters. The way you get a ring is to have starting pitching, starting pitching that's hot and can get you deep and then a lockdown bullpen that may even include some of your starters. But we are in a pitching Autobahn. And then Scott Boris went to the thing that makes Dan Hallam and Rob Manfred absolutely insane when he starts talking about the things that are wrong in baseball with the new rules. And he wants you to know with zero fact, as a matter of fact, Major League Baseball can give you stats exactly the opposite of what Boris said about pitching injuries and how the pitch clock led to injuries. They could give you stats that are different, but what they're going to tell you is that after one year of the pitch clock, there is no way to give you concrete evidence on whether or not pitchers were impacted and whether or not injuries went up as a result of the pitch clock. 
But Boris would have you know that the pitch clock is leading to more injuries. All right, we'll take that for what it's worth. The price of his backdrop. And then he went back to his other favorite topic, and that is the neutral site World Series. How many times does Rob or Dan or Morgan or Chris, how many times does anyone in the league office have to tell Scott that neutral site World Series are not happening? I want you to picture what it would be for a team to not have a home field advantage. I want you to picture what it would be like for the fans to not have an opportunity to go to games. But David, the Super Bowl is at a neutral site. So why wouldn't that make sense? The Super Bowl is a one game event. The World Series is seven games. It's a series. Now, maybe what he could say, and this would be something that I would consider, is that a game seven is after three days of rest, you put it in the beginning of November, no problem, middle of November, no problem, let the pitchers all reset, so you always have your number one starters, so you don't have the game three starters starting game seven, because that's what it is now, which is why you would have had Scherzer against Fott if this had gone seven, Texas against Arizona. What if we played six games, three and three? No home field advantage, except you could choose, do you want one, two, six, or three, four, five? Then you wait three days to guarantee that any starter can pitch your game seven. Now, Scott, if you came up with that idea, I think you may get a little bit better reception. We'll see. Anyway, that's what Scott did at the Jimmies. I wonder whether Scott was one of the guys with the norovirus. Although I think the stats that were given about 10% was only league employees and team employees. They wouldn't count Scott in that. I'm not wishing him ill, don't get me wrong. I'm just wishing players would realize what he's like as an agent and that he doesn't care about you at all. And I know, Coke, I forgot to tell you this. We have a bunch of players who listen to Nothing Personal, both former players and actually current players. So hopefully you're watching this little segment and I ask you, where will Scott be when you don't earn him money any longer? Gone. That's where he'll be. I'll tell you who's coming, not going. Congratulations to Ron Washington. Ron Washington, the 71-year-old former manager of the Texas Rangers. Current third base coach for the last six years of the Atlanta Braves is your new manager of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? Artie Moreno made a smart hire? Is this possible? Is it possible that this hire was done with not only the approval, but the desire of Shohei Otani and or Mike Trout? Is it possible that Moreno finally realized that he needed someone at the helm who is not Phil Nevin, someone who could attempt to get more out of the players? someone with more gravitas, someone who Alex Anthopoulos has referred to as a huge loss for the Braves. I emphasize that, he said, in caps, bold, italicized, all of it. It's a huge, huge void. Alex said, I had six years with him, and I can't imagine I'll be around another guy like that in my entire career. What about Artie Moreno 
Maybe he's just doing what he never used to do, which is what all of us have always done, which is the old copycat, which is what I described to you may happen when you've got the BBE and the DBE, the Dusty Baker, 4869, the Dusty Baker effect and the Bruce Bochy effect. Two old school, older managers brought their teams to huge highs. I said to you that I think that older managers are back in vogue. Less analytic managers back in vogue. Managers with experience with their eyes, with their brains, with their mouths, who can actually not just deal with younger players and appreciate and understand younger players, have the respect of older players and be able to manage a game, manage up, manage down, manage during. Ron Washington is making me look bad because I've told you that Artie Moreno can't do anything right and that with him as owner, the Angels have no chance to ever win. With Ron Washington as the manager, the Angels have a better chance today than they did yesterday. To which you'll answer and ask, whether you're in the live chat at Nothing Personal with David Sampson, because we are live, not from LA, back on the East Coast. I've said to you that managers in their roles, it's decreased. There won't be a Craig Council effect on salaries. It's not going to do anything other than become a ceiling. Managers have become less involved in lineups, less involved in in-game management. On the other hand, managers are your most front-facing employee. They're in front of the media every day. They're in front of players all day, every day. They're in front of the owner, the president, the GM. Having somebody in that role who's not overwhelmed by it, who understands how to communicate, it's so very important. It's not even 50% the importance of your president of baseball operations who runs your entire baseball business, which is the largest expense silo and responsible for the most number of employees other than in-game entertainment or stadium operations who are mostly game day. But in terms of full-time, your baseball department is your biggest. Having someone who runs that side like a David Stearns, an Andrew Friedman, that is always gonna be a more important hire that will always be more directly correlated to the success of your franchise. I'm not wishing they don't pay Ron Washington. I'm not wishing that he fails. I'm just telling you that Perry is in a bigger position than Ron. And I'm further telling you that if Artie doesn't let Perry and Ron do their jobs, then nothing will change with the Angels. But Ron doesn't suffer fools gladly. Ron Washington isn't taking that job because he said, hey, I wasn't happy in Atlanta. Hey, I really wanted one more shot at 71. He wanted a shot under his terms. When he is introduced at a press conference, has that happened? I didn't see any tape of that, Matt. I think we'd have it for you if it did. When he's introduced, I'm looking for him on the microphone to take some of the spotlight away from Artie Moreno. I'm looking for him to say that I wouldn't have taken a job. I was very happy in Atlanta. I would not have left if I didn't think that I had the opportunity to actually make an impact here in Los Angeles. 
to take a team that has so woefully underperformed and work closely with the front office to realize what their skill level should be as it relates to wins. That is what I would expect him to say. And were it not to be true, I don't think he would take the job. And he only signed a two-year deal. That's the rumor. And it's not because he's 71. I don't think he'd want more. I don't think Moreno would give him more given his proclivity to get rid of managers. That said, Ron wants to see that Artie proves what he promised instead of just saying what he promised. Speaking of promise, I promised you in a wait to see. Wait to see is when I tell you something's gonna happen. When it does, great. When it doesn't, great. I told you Buck Showalter would not get the Angels job. He would not work with Artie Moreno. Artie Moreno would not work with him, but we didn't make it an official way to see on the document. Are people finding the document on davidsampsonpodcast.com? It's right there in a tab. You can see every movie we review, every word of the day, every pick of the day. You can see everything there. I love that that's available to all of you to see. It's all about us taking responsibility for the things we say and the things I say on the show. One of the wait to sees that's currently pending and it's official and no, Coca, I do not remember what day, but whatever, this week, it may have been this week, is that the Big Ten would not discipline Michigan before the end of the season. I also had a wait to see, I believe, that Michigan would only be fined and no one would be suspended. Since those wait to sees, there has been a lot of action surrounding Michigan. I want to update you on what's happening now because my old friend, Tony Petiti, who's now the commissioner of the Big Ten, came from Major League Baseball where he was part of the inner circle. And he started by running the network actually, MLB network. He is now finding himself in the news. It used to be earlier this season, he was in the news about expansion in the Big Ten. And now he is almost life imitating art following Rob Manfred, who got was responsible for doling out discipline for the Astros sign stealing scandal. Tony Petiti finds himself in a potentially similar precarious position. And what he's trying to decide right now is what punishments need to be handed out to Michigan whether it's to the team, whether it's to the coach, whether it's in suspensions, fines, and when to do it. The reason why this is such a complicated issue is that Michigan has decided that they're gonna do some preemptive work and some preemptive communication. So when Tony Petiti was going to Michigan to meet with the powers that be, and try to understand what's going on. When he got information from the NCAA about where they are in their investigation, Michigan sent a letter to Tony Petiti and the other members of the Big Ten schools saying, listen, be very careful what you do here. Because if you punish us without due process, we are a member of the Big Ten and you may be next. It is a very tried and true way to bring the spotlight away from yourself. You say, hey, I may or may not have done that. But even if I did do that, if you punish me, you know you're doing it too and you're next. It's what we talk about with owners all the time. 
what it takes to get an owner to vote to get rid of another owner, it is a significantly high bar because owners don't want other owners coming for them next. You gotta be Danny Boy or Sterling or Shot. You can't just be Bidwell or Cuban or Dolan. So Michigan tries to cut this off at the pass and let's Tony Petit and the Big Ten know, thank you so much for investigating us. We will cooperate in every way possible. But just know this, you think that we're the only people stealing signs? Nope, Rutgers, Ohio State, they're both doing it too, at a minimum. And we've got proof that what Connor Stallions did is exactly legal. And what all teams are doing is the same type of sign stealing. And here's our proof. And even if we're making it up, Tony, you better take the time to investigate all of it before deciding how you're gonna punish us. All of which is done for the sole purpose of delaying because Michigan is the odds on favorite. I think they're still the gambling uh, odds favorite. We can check the DraftKings right now odds, but I think they are favored to win the national championship. So Tony Petiti deciding what he's gonna do and when he's gonna do it, officially notifies Michigan that something may be coming. Michigan then officially responded to that. And it was a 10 page response. And they argued due process. They argued that if you do punish us right now, with the information you have, you are violating all of the Big Ten laws and rules. If you suspend Jim Harbaugh, we are coming after you legally. Is that the mess you want, Tony? And they just didn't have some schlepper write this response. They went right over Samson and Coca Law and went right to Williams and Connolly. Yes, Williams and Connolly, you've heard us mention that law firm before. They're the go-to law firm to write these letters that scare the pants off just about anybody. They make you question whether your eyes are open or closed. They make you question your own birthday. Tony Petiti not only has Michigan pressuring him to not rush to justice, but the other Big Ten schools are pressuring him to rush for justice. All other Big Ten members are saying now, right now, what would their agenda be where they would not be allowed to play in the conference title games or be eligible for the national CFP? Hmm, what would be the incentive for those schools? I can't quite think of it, but I'll get to it. Now, what would be the incentive for a team that also steals signs to say, hey, what they did was really bad? Does that sound familiar to you at all? Does it remind you in any way of the Astros situation where the Yankees and the Red Sox were yelling from the top of the mountain saying, look at them, the Astros are cheaters. They cost me a World Series. The Dodgers said the same thing except they all steal signs too. Oh no, but they stole it in a way that goes beyond the gentleman's agreement of how we're gonna steal signs.
Boy, that's pretty tough to say, isn't it? It's pretty tough to admonish someone or to administer a punishment when you're trying to discern amongst cheaters. Unless it's not cheating. Which it's not. Because stealing signs in the Big Ten bylaws is just fine. In NCA rules, no problem. They outline how you're supposed to do it. In baseball, at least, it was never outlined. It was actually disallowed the use of technology. But what the Astros did is they just used it too much, too blatantly. So I am definitely interested to see how this ends. Will Tony Petiti get ahead of the NCAA? Will he wait? Will the NCAA suspend Harbaugh before the end of this season? I still maintain that Tony Petiti is way too smart to get ahead of the NCAA. Jim Harbaugh already self-imposed discipline by missing those first three meaningless games this season. People forget about that. And still, there's been no punishment meted out for what they self-imposed, which was something totally separate from this situation. I think those were COVID violations, actually. So will Tony get ahead or not? I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stick to it relentlessly. It makes zero sense for Tony Petiti to do anything to Michigan until the NCAA is finished because then he can use them as a shield. He can then do more if he likes, but let the NCAA take the first rash of lawsuits. It doesn't need to be the Big Ten. We'll find out. What you're going to find out is great news for me happened last night. And after the break, we're going to review a show that had its season finale yesterday called The Morning Show. And then finally, after over 100 days, for the first time since mid-July, nobody is on strike in Hollywood. We'll be right back. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. How are you today? Thank you for being a part of our show, for rating and reviewing and subscribing. Don't forget to subscribe. It doesn't take long. Subscribe on YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Thank you for everything. I got a great picture, Coco, that I send it to you, of a father and son wearing Nothing Personal shirts, matching, well, other than the size, matching Nothing Personal shirts. It was the diamond logo, and the father and son listen to our show every day. I don't remember whether they watch it on YouTube or listen and download it wherever you get your podcasts, but they do it together as a family. I hope that makes you smile, Coca, because it definitely made me smile. And it's why we're with you every day live at 8 a.m. And the show is available to download soon after that. I watch a movie or a show every day. I keep a list of current shows I'm watching. I'm really up against it right now because my list of current shows that I'm watching, it's down to Survivor, 9.27 to 12.20 Wednesday. Lessons in Chemistry, 10.13 to 11.24 Thursday. I'm down to two because I had to delete 
Billions, we had that series finale. And then I had to delete yesterday, The Morning Show. The Morning Show is an Apple TV Plus show that just finished its third season. Jay Duplass, John Hamm, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston. God, it's so good. All right, let me, let me review season three because it's very much what shows are doing these days, going after the billionaires, trying to figure out a way to create better equality, trying to find a way to get labor in a better position than it had normally been in. And this is gonna tie into the SAG-AFTRA settlements in a moment. John Hamm plays a billionaire who is trying to buy the network. Billy Crudup, who is gonna win an Emmy for this season, in my opinion, that's how good he was as the CEO of the network. And it's called HBA. I'm blanking. I wanna say HBS, but that's Harvard Business School. So I think it's HBA. The billionaire is trying to buy the network, but there are nefarious reasons for his purchase. But the network needs money and the board needs money. Does this sound at all familiar? Hello, Disney. They need to pay down debt. To do it, they need to either sell part of themselves or all of themselves. The way the morning show ended, they worked in January 6th. They worked in recent news stories. They're always a little behind. Last season was COVID. Jennifer Aniston had COVID. It is exactly how a studio show works. It takes you behind the scenes in a way that will fascinate you, in a way that the movie Broadcast News did for the nightly news. And this is about an entire network. It is crisp. It is perfectly written, perfectly directed, perfectly produced, perfectly acted. It should be award-winning. That's how good it was. If you haven't watched The Morning Show, start at season one. You'll love the binge. If you know, you know. And if you're not caught up, you're gonna watch a series finale and I'm not gonna spoil it for you. I forgot what our spoiler rule is, but I'm not gonna spoil it for you. I think I'm allowed to spoil older movies, but not current TV shows. At least I have to wait a few days for people to watch it since it only came out Wednesday. Although here's the little secret. It always came out Tuesday nights. Shh, don't tell anyone. The Morning Show, check it out. I'm very sad it's over. Good news, it got renewed for season four. Better news, they can start getting into the writer's room. Writers ended their strike a month ago, but now the actors are back to work. A tentative deal was announced last night by the nanny. SAG-AFTRA and the studios have reached an accord, ending what had been about a 118-day strike, ending what had been for a long time a dual strike, which hadn't happened in decades, ending what had been a tremendous economic loss for studios, for cities like Los Angeles, for actors, actresses, writers, producers, makeup people, everyone associated with the entertainment industry, including the guy who brings the coffee cart with the danishes to set every day, everyone was impacted by this strike. What were they striking about? What is it that actors want that they don't get? It's all about streaming, baby. They wanted revenue from their shows that were streaming, that we're all watching, that the actors are not getting paid for. 
when I'm watching Breaking Bad, when I'm watching Shit's Creek, when I'm watching Better Call Saul, which I'm currently watching, do you think Bob Odenkirk is getting paid because I am streaming Better Call Saul? Nope. The problem is the streamers are all losing money, billions of dollars. They have not found a way to be profitable other than Netflix, have not found a way to be profitable. The studios said to the labor unions, you can ask for whatever you want, but I'm telling you right now, AI is here to stay. AI can do your job for you. There's a podcast where Alan Alda, who played Hawkeye Pearson MASH, has Mike Farrell, who played BJ Honeycutt in MASH, come on his podcast. And they asked an AI like ChatGPT to write a new scene for MASH between BJ and Hawkeye. And then Alan Alda and Mike Farrell acted it out. And it was a scene. It wasn't as good as the writers. There'll never be another Alan Alder, Larry Gelbert, or all the great writers who worked on MASH, but it wasn't bad. Is it possible that AI will take over, not only for writers, but will take over for actors? Is there a world where not only do you have to worry about getting residuals from streaming, but you also have to worry about being replaced completely? Yes. And that's a world that's that has existed in factories for decades, where people's jobs are being replaced on the assembly lines by automation. You can't fight AI. And so what you're trying to do if you are the union, you're trying to protect as many jobs as possible. Going into this strike, the union, the actors had several goals. They wanted residuals from streaming. They wanted to protect themselves from being replaced by AI. Here's what they got. They asked for 2% of streaming service revenue. They got zero. They wanted to make sure that they'd get any sort of residual from streaming programs guaranteed. Now it's based on performance metrics. The studio limited all gains that the union got, but the union will stand up and say victory. We got victory. And the reason why the union is saying they got victory is that they are going to get a higher percentage. They're going to get more guarantees. For example, they got their NIL. That sounds crazy. That's college sports. What's NIL? There was a scenario where actors were not being paid for their own likeness, where their likeness could be used by the studios without remuneration. Now there will have to be pay. But the reason why the union is truly calling this a victory is that they are trying to latch on. And this is not an anti-labor conversation, Joe. This is a conversation about where the studios actually stand and where the unions actually stand. The unions will stand up and save victory. They will say that we had been taken advantage of for so long. We had had no increases in benefits, no help toward the lower class of actors. And now we've gotten better guarantees. We've gotten better opportunities for when you do auditions and you get paid and all sorts of things. No problem. But here's the thing. Do you know what the studios are going to do now? They're going to 
hire fewer of you because they're going to green light fewer shows. They're not going to finance first look deals anymore. Less content, less work. That means you're making less or fewer of you are making anything. Why? And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm saying it's fact. Management always wins. And the reason management always wins, I don't care if you're the auto companies where they just settled with the United Auto Workers, where the United Auto Workers can say they made significant gains, significant clawbacks from pre-COVID days. Every owner, every studio, they control everything. They control production. And the person or people or board or entity that controls production controls salary, controls cost. One of the things that unions do, and this happens in the players union sometimes in Major League Baseball, is that they gain in one area of their union and they lose in another. The way management looks at it is that they look at it macro. What's our total exposure to the union? It's dollars. That's it. You're going to hear a lot of rhetoric that the studio gave up dollars to the SAG-AFTRA. And it's true. In fact, they did. But what you're not going to see and what you're not going to read are the decisions the studios are going to make in order to make sure that the extra money going to the union gets taken from the total money spent on the union. Wait for it. It's going to happen. That said, I'm happy the strike is over. It was time to get back to work for everybody. The studios need to figure out this new world because companies like Disney don't want losses anymore because their shareholders don't want it because their stock price reflects it. And everything is based on stock price, market cap, all of it. Every waking moment of a board or of a president, of a chairman, anyone in the C-suite. You think like players or GMs when they say, oh, we don't pay attention to the standings. You think that these companies don't pay attention to their stock price? and their stock performance. They pay attention to that a lot more than Rotten Tomatoes, I can tell you that. I hope you were paying attention last night, were you? Nothing personal pick of the day. We had the Sixers getting a point and a half. No sooner had I finished the show yesterday that the Sixers line had moved to Sixers plus two and a half because all of you were taking the Celtics. I hope you didn't fade me. We're up to 163 and 164 because the Sixers getting one and a half was enough. They beat the Celtics. Remember I said, once you lose one, like giving up a hit after a no hitter, then you give up another hit and another hit. The Celtics have now lost two in a row. I want to give you my pick of the day for Thursday. The Chicago Bears play the Carolina Panthers on Thursday night football. And on principle alone, I'm not betting this game. It is not a pick of the day. It is the worst game possible. I won't do it. Life is short. I'm running out of hours. I will not allocate hours to that game. I refuse to. Therefore, I'm not picking it. But there is a game in the NBA I'm going to watch. The Bucks are playing the second of a back-to-back. -back. Last night, they barely beat the Pistons. 
They didn't cover. We didn't have him. Giannis got ejected in the third quarter. He already had had a technical. He dunked the ball and then stood over a player who was standing. But when you're Giannis, you can stand over just about anyone but Victor. And one of the referees teed him up, which meant an automatic ejection for his second technical foul. All I kept thinking about as Giannis was incredulous, couldn't believe that he got teed up for that and therefore ejected. I wonder what Adam Silver was thinking. Adam Silver, who spends his waking moments trying to get people to watch games so he can sell his TV rights for triple what he gets now, trying to make sure the stars play, load management, everything we've spoken about. Do you think it's time he speaks to the referees and tells them to swallow their whistle and not eject the superstar who everyone came to watch, both in Milwaukee and around the country, ejecting him in the third quarter? Don't you think the referees need to maybe swallow hard or better yet, maybe change the rules? I can't stand the taunting rules in the NFL and the NBA. I love a good taunt. If you perform well enough, taunt. And guess what? You're going to get it handed to you right back if you end up stinking at any point during a game or a season. Because what goes around comes around. If you're Giannis, act like you've been there. Dunk it, walk to the other side of the court. On the other hand, People like emotion. Don't legislate it out of the game. If players want it, let them give it. But don't give me, Adam, all of your rhetoric about trying to improve our game and then have a rule and then have referees enforce that rule that causes him to not play the entire fourth quarter. Bad for the product. Second game of a back-to-back, always tough. Pacers are getting four from the Bucks at home. The Pacers, who just put up 197 points on the Spurs, although everybody is scoring on the Spurs, they give up a buck 20 every time they tip the ball. But we're taking the Pacers plus four. I end today's show with a correction. I know, strangely enough, only 96.2% of you are still listening. I don't know why people stop listening before the whole 45 minutes, but I appreciate that. To the 3.8% of you, you're going to miss this. But when I make mistakes, I correct them. And I appreciate when you give me corrections. Yesterday, I talked about the NBA had no games on election day. And I said it was Adam Silver's desire to just not have games, to focus on vote. And I forgot to mention something very important that Adam Silver did that he gets credit for. Many arenas are being used as polling places, as places to go vote. That's why he had no games on the slate. He wanted to make it easier for people to vote. So I was incorrect, and I didn't give you the full picture of why Adam Silver had no games, and many of you got back to me with that, and that is that correction. I appreciate your time, as always, and I do not take it for granted. What I do know is we'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Thank <laughs> you.